Let's pray together. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. Then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Lord, we come before you right now with humility, and we surrender all of our worries, all of our anxieties. Lord, Lord, we lay them at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ this very morning. Lord, we cast aside every distraction right here in this place. Lord, I pray for full understanding to understand the word that you have in store for us this very morning. As we go over on the topic of wisdom, as wisdom calls out to us, Lord, we will step forth in faith and put it into action. It's not just having knowledge and being wise and having wisdom, but it's also having the heart and the action to follow through and to live a life that is full of your wisdom, O God. All the wisdom of this world is foolishness, but Lord, the wisdom of God is our everything. So God, I pray as you transition to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who will be listening here this very morning, Lord, may be pleased in your sight, O God. You are our rock and our redeemer. We thank you, we love you. Pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. God's people pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Let's take a moment to greet our fellow brothers and sisters in this sanctuary. The title of today's message is called Wisdom is Calling Out. Wisdom is Calling Out. Do you understand that you are called to live a life of wisdom in this world? And this one life, one chance that you have, God, he provides us with wisdom to live a life that is full of life, that is fully for his kingdom and for his glory and for his righteousness. And wisdom is where it all begins. We learn wisdom from God, and God bestows upon us his wisdom not the wisdom of this world, which the Bible says the wisdom of this world is foolishness, but I'm talking about the wisdom that comes from the living God. Amen. So let's begin with our main passage here today. I have a few, but starting with the first one, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Wisdom is calling out to us today. Amen? Let's go ahead. Job chapter 28 and Proverbs 8.1. Let's begin with Proverbs 8.1. It says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? Job 28 says, Where then does wisdom come from? Where thus understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. 
destruction and death say. Only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens when he established the force of the wind and measure out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Amen and amen. Proverbs 8, 1, once again, says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? I have two points for us today, starting with point number one. God is wisdom. God is wisdom. Romans 16, 27 says, To the only wise God... Be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is the only wise? It is God. Through who? Through Jesus Christ. And it says, Amen, as Paul says. Meaning we understand from this very verse, this one verse alone, even though it's written all throughout the scripture, in this one verse alone, it says, God is wisdom. I'm not saying wisdom is God. I'm saying God is is wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. All the knowledge of this world, all the wisdom of this world, all the understanding of this world, it resides in God. Every subject matter, every, what is the, what was your major, Andy? Computer science. Every coding, everything that comes that has been created by mankind. Every wisdom, every knowledge, everything that we have learned, that we know in this world, every book's written, it resides in God. In essence, God is all wisdom, God is all understanding, and God is all knowledge. Human beings grow in wisdom as they live on this earth. Actually, some do, some don't, some remain the same. As human beings, we either move forward, we grow, or we get worse and remain the same. However, our God does not grow in wisdom. That's not how God works. God cannot grow in wisdom, for God is wisdom. God cannot be more than he already was, he already is, and he already will be. For all wisdom, the scripture tells us, every wisdom, it comes from God. Meaning God has full understanding. God has full knowledge. God has full wisdom. All things comes from God, and it is created by God. Meaning God is self-sustained. He is self-sufficient. He is self-made. He is a self-existent God, and we hear a lot of people say, I'm a self-made millionaire. People make songs, they boast about things that they're self-made. But here is the reality check. No one in this world is self-made. For at one point, and many more, 
we all received help one way or the other. We had to learn and grow and learn from our mistakes, learn from our shortcomings, learn from our failures, but not God. God is the self-sustained. He is self-sufficient. He is self-made, and he is self-existent God, the aseity of God, as we went over last Sunday. All creation exists by his decree. Every creation, each creation dies according to God's decree and his timing. A creature is born, and a human being is born, and a life is born according to his decree and his timing, as God wills it. Meaning the fact that you're alive here today on this earth, living, breathing, that God had a plan for you, that in his wisdom he created you. All creation exists by his decree. For God is eternal, forever, and unchangeable. It says in Hebrews 4, 12 to 13, but I want to focus on 13. But let's go ahead and read verse 12 because it says the word of God, which we understand the word of God is God. We understand is Christ, his words. It says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But focusing on verse 13, it says, Nothing in all creation, all creation, even the little ladybugs that we see, even the little flies that we see in the windows, all creation, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. And we really understand it when God speaks to Job in chapter 38 to 42, right? God, he doesn't need to explain anything to Job. But he just says, I am God. I'm the creator of all things. I'm the aseity of God. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him, God, to whom we must give account. Romans chapter 11, Paul says here in verse 33 to 36, it says, all the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things to whom to him be the glory forever amen no one can give god what he already has who he is from him through him and for him are all things to him be the glory forever and ever amen and amen we cannot trace god's steps as human beings, we study history, we study the scripture, we study the language, and we study. Scholars come together, they try to understand God, but in our limited mind, 
we cannot trace his paths. For his wisdom, his knowledge, it says in verse 33, is full, this depth of riches. Jeremiah chapter 51. I'm going to read verse 15 and then go skip a verse and go 17, 18, 19. But starting with verse 15, it says this. He made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. Everyone is senseless, verse 17, and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is shamed by his idols. The images he makes are a fraud. They have no breath in them. That alone, that verse alone, debunks every other religion. Every creation that humans have made as idols, as statues that we see, that we saw in Thailand, all the huge statues, the golden Buddha, all the statues that you see, every goldsmith is shamed by his idols. The images, the images he makes are a fraud. They have no breath in them. It's fake. Verse 18, they are worthless, the objects of mockery. When their judgment comes, they will perish. He who is the portion of Jacob is not like these. For he, God alone, is the maker of all things, including the people of his inheritance. The Lord Almighty is his name. Do you guys remember what uh, Lord Almighty was? Do you remember it? The definition from last week? El Shaddai. El Shaddai. The Lord Almighty is his name. Every creation, every created thing is garbage, is foolishness, are idols, and nothing can compare to the true and the living God and the wisdom of God, El Shaddai. Therefore, so points, starting with letter A, God calls us to fear him. God calls us to fear him. As I went over the first scripture in the message, Proverbs 9, 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is Understanding, when I'm talking about fear, I'm not saying being afraid of God, even though at times we should. I mean, imagine you're Job and God is speaking the amount of fear that he must have had. But when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, I'm talking about realizing that you are a finite being. As young people, that one day your life will end. And that is the hardest thing for a young person to grasp because they think, because youth, it deceives us. We think that we will live forever. But we understand the fear, meaning the reverence of God, the amount of respect and the reverence that we have towards God, the fear of the Lord is where it all begins, is the beginning of wisdom. Having the knowledge of the Holy One is true understanding 
understanding who the Holy One is, who the living God is, who Jesus Christ is. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So point B, God calls us to become wise in Him. When I say become wise, I'm talking about growing in wisdom. You become wise. Not everyone is born wise. As great leaders are made, we too, as human beings, must grow wise day by day, month by month, year by year. As we grow older, as we grow another year, as we celebrate another birthday, you cannot be the same person as you used to be. You cannot be naive as you used to be. You cannot live in ignorance as you used to live. You must grow in wisdom because the scripture teaches us that Jesus as a child, he grew in wisdom in his earthly ears. Fully God, fully man, even Jesus on earth, he grew in wisdom. May we grow in wisdom today. Amen? Grow in wisdom. Next, let us see. God calls us. Actually, let me go over the verse for subpoint B. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 to 19 says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. Become wise. Verse 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Focusing on verse 18, so that you may become wise. Which means God calls us to become wise in him, not in this world. Let us see. God calls us to trust that his ways are greater than our ways. Trust in him. Trust that his ways are perfect. Trust in his timing, in God's ways, that his thoughts, that his ways are higher and greater than your thoughts. He says specifically, and this is a verse and a passage that you should all, every Christian should know in their heart, is Isaiah chapter 55. In Isaiah chapter 55, it says this, For my thoughts, God is saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I am an infinite being. You are a finite being. There's a parallel similarity between what God says to Job, chapter 38 to 42, to what Isaiah 55 is saying. The word of God is consistent all throughout, from the beginning from Genesis to the end to the Revelation. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, verse 8 through 9. When it says, higher than the earth, as the heavens are higher than the earth, the question that I have for you is, how high are the heavens? It's infinite. He is infinitely greater than your thoughts 
than your ways, than your thinking, than who we are. It's infinite. How low is the earth? It's where all the finite beings live. Every human being who has lived on this earth has died. Every bug, every creature, every pet, every animal, everything has passed away. And you too will pass away. It's a reminder to us as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. God calls us to trust that his ways are greater than our ways. When we take our final breath here on earth, who will you trust? Will you trust the machines that's keeping you alive? Will you trust the doctors and the nurses that are helping you? Will you trust in the one who has power, control over your body, soul, and your spirit? Trust in him, for his ways are greater than our ways. Letter D, God calls us to remember that we are finite beings. Meaning as a created being, as created beings, our goal in life is not to know and understand everything. I'll say that again. Your goal is not to know and understand everything because there are a lot of times you will not understand anything. We will never know. Job never received an answer. He never knew. All he did was, I have heard of you now that I've seen you. I repent in dust and in ashes. We are not called to know everything like Job. And at times, at missions too, when we go, there's a rule that we have set when we're actually doing the work, we say, let's do it. When you're asked to do something, just do it. And then we ask questions later, and then we talk about it later. Because at that very moment, as a member, you may not fully understand why you're being told to do this. Maybe there's a danger that the leader saw, or there's a backdrop story, things that are happening in the background that you're not aware of. But in that moment, you're just called to be obedient and just to follow. And then later, you will understand. Or later, you may not. But at the end, it comes down to trust. And as finite beings, let us remember that we serve an infinite God, everlasting God. And quickly, let's continue. Letter E, God calls us to know the one who knows all things. The key word here is know. Come to know the Lord more and more each and every single day. More and more. Letter F, God calls us to worship Jesus Christ in adoration. Letter G, we will go over it at the end. So if you're taking your time writing, in the end, we're going to have a list. God calls us to be obedient in Jesus Christ. 
And lastly, letter H, God calls us to know Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. I know I'm speeding through here due to the message, the timing, but I want to encourage you tonight or this week to take a moment of your time to go over these notes, especially these sub-points, and really be able to soak it through, not just in your mind, but in your heart, and let it be an overflow of your life. And may we understand what wisdom means, what God calls us to do. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 real quick, before I give you the list one more time. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Now, looking at the list one more time, letter A, God calls us to fear him. God calls us to become wise in him. God calls us to trust that his ways are greater than our ways. God calls us to remember that we are finite beings. God calls us to know the one who knows all things. God calls us to worship Jesus Christ in adoration. God calls us to be obedient in Jesus Christ. God calls us to know Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The full truth of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ comes down to knowing him, fearing him, becoming wise in him, knowing the trust, the truth of God, trusting that his ways are greater than our ways, realizing and knowing that we are finite beings, that we serve an infinite God, that we are called to know the one who knows all things, and we are called to worship Jesus Christ with worship, with reverence, with humility. We are called to be obedient in Jesus Christ. It's not just about sacrifices, but it's about obedience. And God calls us to know Jesus Christ in his death, in his resurrection. Why is that last one, letter H, so important? It's because this is what sets us apart from every other religion. From the Jewish faith, to the Muslim faith, even as Jesus is mentioned in the book of Quran, the difference here is that they see Jesus as a prophet. They believe that he existed, that he was one of the prophets of God, but they do not believe that Jesus died and rose again. That is what sets us apart. That's why Paul says, in Philippians chapter 3.10, as he's in prison, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Knowing Christ and his death and his resurrection is what sets us apart from every other idol, every other religion. To have the full wisdom of God is to know Christ in his death, and in his resurrection. So point one, God is wisdom. And our last point, point two here, is 
Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God. Jonathan Edwards, in his unpublished essay on Trinity, he said this in quote, but that the Son of God is God's, God's own eternal and perfect idea is a thing we have yet much more expressly revealed in God's word. First in that Christ is called the wisdom of God. If you are taught in the scripture that Christ is the same with God's wisdom or knowledge, then it teaches us that he is the same with God's perfect and eternal idea. They are the same as we have already observed. I suppose none will deny, but Christ is said to be the wisdom of God. And how much doth Christ speak in Proverbs under the name of wisdom, especially in the 8th chapter 1, which we went over in the beginning. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Proverbs 8 is on wisdom, but focusing on verse 1, does not wisdom collapse, does not understanding raise her voice, does not wisdom call out, does not understanding raise her voice. Meaning the full wisdom of God is displayed on the cross of Jesus Christ. The full wisdom of God is displayed on Jesus Christ crucified. The full wisdom of God is displayed on the life that Jesus Christ lived here on this earth. The full wisdom of God is displayed on who Jesus Christ is. The full wisdom of God is displayed on the full humility of Jesus Christ. The full wisdom of God is displayed on the full obedience of Jesus Christ. So it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, it says, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, nothing, nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what does that represent? What does his death represent? What does the cross represent? What does his suffering represent? What does his obedience, what does it represent? What does it symbolize? The cross, his death, his suffering, his obedience, it all represents his humility, his love, his passion, his grace, his mercy, his suffering, his life. It represents the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God. Understanding all those things, it comes from the wisdom of God. The life, the death, the cross. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it represents that God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, that he was here 
from the beginning, before creation even came to be in Genesis. We understand from John 1 that the Word was God, that we understand that that Word was Christ. We understand that He was born of a virgin birth, fully God, fully man, that He healed many, that He gave life, His life, specifically His life as a ransom for all human beings for their sins. We understand that He fulfilled 300 to 600 prophecies, all of them perfectly, which is near impossible, but he fulfilled the prophecies. And to simply put A, B, C, and D real quick, letter A, he lived. B, he died. C, he lives. D, he loves. He lived. He died, he lives, he loves. And that's what it comes down to. The wisdom of God, it comes on full display through the life of Jesus Christ. Without Christ, we do not have any wisdom. We do not have any understanding. You could become successful. You can have all things. You could have everything. But if you don't have this precious wisdom of knowing Christ, simply put, very simple, even a child can understand. That's why we need to have a faith like a child. He lived. Do you believe that he lived? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and for the sins of many, the sins of all, past, present, and future? Do you believe that we serve a living God? That our God is not dead like your youth group t-shirts. Our God is alive. that he loves. Actually, just to have an understanding of the t-shirt, I know we, are all, we all know as a church, but for the recording of people who are confused, it just means that the youth group uh, that some of them grew up in, they made a t-shirt that says, God's not dead, but the word not was gray. And I think the sweater was kind of gray, but the God's dead was bright orange, so like from far away it just looked like you guys are all wearing God's dead shirts, and I was like, that's the worst design I've ever seen, and it was like a script to the word not, you can't see, meaning he lives. We serve a living God, and he loves. He loves you. Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that Jesus Christ, he loves you, and that's why he came, that's why he died on this earth, he resurrected, and we serve a living God. So we understand from point two that Jesus Christ is a personification of God's wisdom and God's power. We understand that. That he lived, he died, 
he lives and that he loves. Let those truths sink in into your heart. The simplicity of the gospel that we are all so familiar of and that we grew too comfortable of. Let's all go to Isaiah 53. The forbidden passage that a lot of individuals who are of the Jewish faith, they avoid this because this scripture perfectly describes who the Messiah is. Because the Messiah that they're waiting for, they think is this kingship leader who is full of power and who is a warrior. And Jesus Christ, he is, yes, he is, and he is more than that. But the people who had a hard time believing in who Jesus Christ was when he was living here on earth, were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, people who were proud, and they were blinded. But Isaiah 53, it tells us and reminds us, starting with verse 2, that he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him and low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord laid the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? Yet he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord was prosper in his Hand. Amen. And amen. In all of God's wisdom, in his full wisdom, verse 10, it was his will, the Lord's will, to crush him and cause Christ to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper 
in his hand. And what is the will of the Lord? It's for you to know Christ in his wisdom. Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God. But here's a reality check. Sadly, not all will understand. As many have not in the past, they actually crucified Jesus. Not all will believe. Many, including our family members, our friends, they will choose to reject the gospel. As it says in Laodicea Church in Revelation, that they will grow cold. They will reject the faith and they will walk away from their faith. Many will choose the path of apostasy. But will you understand the truth of the gospel? Wisdom is calling out to you. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Wisdom is calling out to you. Do you have faith to believe? Do you have the wisdom of God, the precious gift of God, to have this faith of God, to believe that Jesus Christ, that he lived, that he died, that he lives, and that he loves. I pray that you will understand. I pray that you'll be full of wisdom today. Do not follow the wisdom of this world with social media, with your worldly friendships, the relationships, trust in Christ. Trust in Him. Do not trust in the wisdom of this world, for it is foolishness in God's sight. And I'm ending with this in the last passage. 1 Corinthians 1 says in verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The gospel will bring two things. Number one, it will become your greatest hope. Or the other option, the second option is, it will become your greatest threat. It will become a threat because it will endanger your dreams, your worldly dreams, your worldly relationships, your worldly reputation. But what is more important to you? Is it the message of the cross of Jesus Christ? Will the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, will that be foolishness to your eyes and to your ears? Will it be your greatest hope? Will it be your salvation? For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. We are all perishing. But to us, meaning me and you, men and women of God of faith, who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Verse 20, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness 
but what was preached to save those who believe. Verse 22, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we, as Christians, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. If you do not believe that Christ was crucified, that he died and that he rose again, you belong in the category of a foolish person. But to those, verse 24, whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, for all human beings, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is a complete parallel of Isaiah 55. For my ways, my thoughts are higher and greater than your thoughts. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Verse 26. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world. To shame the wise, God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Can we read verse 30 and 31 all together? Ready? One, two, three. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. You want wisdom? Know Christ and his death and resurrection. Have faith in Christ. You want wisdom of God? You have to have Christ. You have to have a relationship with Christ. You need to have an intimate, personal relationship with Christ. If you don't, you belong in the category of a foolish individual. The Bible does not say, depart from me, you never came to prayer meeting. Or you made a post about me on Facebook or on social media. Rather, Jesus will say, Depart from me. I never knew you. He will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. You never knew me. And you had a relationship with me. It says in Matthew 7, 23, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Eternal life is not... Did you give money to the homeless? It's not, 
Did you finish all your homework? You went to all your classes? It's not, did you obey your church leaders? Rather, do you know the Lord? Does the Lord know you? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? For that is true wisdom. Simple as that. All their information, all their accomplishments, all their understandings, all other religions, it is fluff. It will all fade away. But one thing will remain, your faith and your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Life comes down to this. Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Do you have a personal intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the wisdom of God. The true wisdom of God. John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life. That they know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Do you believe in who he is? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, when I was doing this message, I was reflecting on particularly one mission trip, our most recent one. And I just remember in To Be Gone in front of the kids, we were singing that song before, what is it called? At the end of, anyways. But before you go away, yeah, that's the title, Before You Go Away. And in that song, it's very simple, the simplicity of the gospel. Uh, before you go away, at the end of this good day, do you and do you know the Lord? Before we say goodbye, let me ask you one more time, do you, do you know the Lord? His peace, his forgiveness. His words of truth, do you know? Do you need it? Do you need his forgiveness? Don't let another moment pass you by. Now is the time. So before we end today, this Sunday, before we end the service, before we end the sermon, do you know the Lord? Do you have the wisdom of God? The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. Do you have an intimate and a close relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you seek the Lord in prayer, seeking wisdom in your secret place? Or do you only know him only on Sundays at church? If you do, then you must check yourself. Check your heart. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Wisdom is calling out to you. Many of you, you've been blinded by the wisdom of this world, the pursuit and the dreams of this world. Wisdom is calling out to you. It's calling out to your family members. It's calling out to your loved ones. But the question is, do you know? 
do you know the wisdom of God? Do you know the truth of God? That he lived, that he died, that he rose again from the dead, and that he loves you, that he calls you to have a relationship with him. Get wisdom. Amen? Get understanding. Do not forsake wisdom. For wisdom will protect you, as it says in Proverbs 4. It says, love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. How do you get wisdom? You learn. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, meaning wisdom, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head, present you with a glorious crown. Amen. And amen. With the truth, and as all of you here who are sitting here, as we have faith and we are saved, let us take a moment right now to think of our loved ones, uh, family members, friends, who are not in the faith, who are just a lukewarm Christian, they come to church only on Sunday, or maybe not. They stop because of this pandemic. Many have left the church. People don't even attend church anymore, actually. That is the truth. Out of fear from this virus. But can we, as men and women of God, of people of faith, and people who are full of God's wisdom, can we take a moment right now to pray? for our family members, for our friends who do not have a relationship, who are intentionally choosing to reject Jesus Christ, can we ask and pray and intercede on their behalf? Let's ask the Lord to come, remembering the song, before you go away at the end of this good day. Do you, and do you know the Lord? And may you ask God for wisdom that comes from him and him alone. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask, because he will give it to you generously to all without fault. Ask God for wisdom to teach you, to give you the right words, to say the right things, for God to use you as his instrument, to be his mouthpiece, to be his hands, and his feet. Let us pray together.
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, they will not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil one, you evil doers. Lord, I pray, God, that through the wisdom of God that comes from Jesus Christ, that we would understand the truth of the gospel and to know that, God, that you are real, that you are a living God, to have faith in you, to know the one who lived on this earth and who died and who rose again from the dead. He has ascended to the heavens. He sits at the right hand of the living God, El Shaddai. So God, we place all of our hopes, we place all of our dreams, we lay them all down at your feet, O God. Every accomplishment, everything that we have done on this earth is fluff, is garbage compared to knowing you as our Lord and our Savior. Life comes down to one thing and one thing alone. And this is the true wisdom. It is foolishness to the world, but it is the wisdom of God, the true wisdom of God, and it is this, to know you and to be known by you. I pray that we will know you today. I pray that we will be known by you today and that we will know and have the full wisdom of God and that each and every single day that we will grow in wisdom. May we grow in wisdom. May we grow in obedience each and every single day. But forgive us for our rebellious hearts, for being stubborn and choosing our own path. May we not in pride like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. May we not live thinking that we know everything but may we in humility claim, as Job claimed, that God, we repent and we don't know anything. We repent in dust and in ashes. We humble ourselves to you this very morning and we yield before your presence the wisdom of God. Wisdom is calling out are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? And lastly, Lord, I pray for our mothers. I pray for our fathers. I pray for our friends. I pray for our brothers and for our sisters. People that we've grown up with and those who we have shared a meal with, we have gone to retreats with, and to the mission fields with. I pray, God, that they will come back to you, that you will restore the relationship, that they will run back to you 
as a prodigal son and as a prodigal daughter. I pray, God, you will use these individuals here who are here in this room, that use them as your mouthpiece and as your instruments to bring the true gospel of Jesus Christ with the wisdom of God, the wisdom of Jesus Christ, that you use them to be your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece. That our family members, our loved ones, and our friends, they will come to know the true King, the true Lord, and His name is Adonai. His name is El Shaddai, and His name is Jesus Christ. So God, we humble ourselves to you today. I pray, God, that you hear us from heaven, that no words of prayer will fall to the ground, become void but we pray in faith and we pray in faith to you and to you alone we thank you for this time we thank you for this reminder we humble ourselves to you we give you our all we thank you we love you pray all these things in your precious son just Christ and we pray amen and amen <laughs>